The 49ers are back in town, and they're in a much better spot than when the home crowd at Levi Stadium last saw them. Kyle Shanahan's team will try to get it going and not experience any kind of letdown after a decisive road victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. A year ago, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came to Santa Clara, it was Tom Brady versus Brock Purdy making his first NFL start. Now, Brady is retired and Purdy is firmly established as the long-term 49ers quarterback. On the other side is Baker Mayfield. It'll be the fourth time this season the last pick in the draft, Purdy, has gone up against a team led by the number one overall pick. Jennifer Lee Chan and I will discuss the new look 49ers defense and the state of the team's offensive line. Then, the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa, will break down the team's Week 11 matchup versus Tampa Bay. All that and much more on this episode of 49ers Talk, coming at you right now. Welcome to another edition of 49ers Talk on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your host, Matt Mayoko. Yes, this is 49ers Talk brought to you by Big O Tires. Matt Mayoko, Jennifer Lee Chan, and Jennifer, I'm so glad you are back in the continental United States. We thought we lost you. I was tracking your flight from Jacksonville. How someone goes from Jacksonville to a province of Manitoba uh, is beyond me, but you did it. I did. Would Would you care to explain how you ended up in Canada from Jacksonville, Florida? Well, I actually didn't set foot in Canada, but I did fly over it. So my flight out of Jacksonville was incredibly delayed due to a mechanical issue. And so I ended up going to Newark to Newark, get to LA. Not Newark, California. I used no. to live in Newark over there by Fremont, Union City, so on and so forth. You're talking Newark, New Jersey? That is correct. Okay. Because every flight out of Denver was going to be late. Uh, I actually spoke to a player's spouse who was supposed to be on the same flight as me and she got rerouted through Houston. So she didn't even make the huge arching travel back over Canada. She went straight across the country. We both walked in our doors at about the same time. Wow. You guys live together? We do not. No, separate separate doors. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So mechanical issues for Jennifer Lee Chan's flight, no mechanical issues for the 49ers as they come off that victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And now, lo and behold, they're kind of back in it as far as even talking about the number one seed. Now that the lines are kind of sneakily in there, but I'm just looking ahead. Like 49ers have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up on Sunday. Um, be you know that's a game they should win we'll get back to that in a bit and if they they win that and then the kansas city chiefs and and the philadelphia eagles play monday night that's a game that chiefs are favored in so 49ers are, are right back there huge stretch coming up after this tampa bay game because 49ers play seattle philadelphia seattle in rapid fire succession so um 49ers looking to get back into that mix. But you know what? Now that I'm talking about those next three games, I think I've touched on what failed the 49ers during their three-game losing streak. I think they got a little bit ahead of themselves in not necessarily looking ahead, but maybe looking past their opponents. I think I think now- A little little overconfidence maybe. I I think now, now guys are starting to admit a little bit that all of the- the bouquets being thrown their way 
had a little bit of an effect. And subconsciously, I mean, you would expect that to happen. They they always said the right things and acted the right ways. But maybe after that game against the Cowboys, it did have some effect on them. And thus the losing streak, Cleveland, Minnesota, Cincinnati. But there also is, if you look back at those games, not necessarily the Cincinnati game, but the Cleveland Browns game and the Minnesota game, they were so close to winning. I don't know whether it was overconfidence that like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. It'll be fine. But I think it was so close. I mean, both one score games, they could have easily, not easily, but it was, it wasn't a stretch for them to have been able to win either of those games. But Jennifer, those are teams they should have blown out. They, they should have, but it was, you know, a mistake here, a mistake there that really self-inflicted wounds through both of those games affected them. So, I mean, not being as sharp as they need to be. So yeah, maybe they let their guard down a little bit. Yeah, I think they did. And, and, you know, they played, they kind of resumed the 49er team that they look like after that week five Dallas game, they kind of looked that way against Jacksonville. So here is the game and, you know, whatever trap game or, or whatever you want to say, this is a game that might even show more about them than those next three games on the schedule, the two Seattle games and the Philadelphia game, because again, this is a game 49ers should win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tampa Bay is just kind of bouncing around, hanging around that 500 mark. And in the NFC South, that would make them a playoff team. So we'll see um, what they have uh, in store for everybody on Sunday, but it, it's, it's an area where the 49ers appear certainly to be trending in the right direction because of what we saw against Jacksonville. In other words, you know, Chase Young, what he brings to the table. And is there any coincidence, Jennifer Lee Chan, I ask you, that in the first wow, the game, full name. yeah, well, <laughs> you know what? We're being formal here on 49ers. Okay. Um, is there any coincidence that the first game that Chase Young is with the 49ers that Nick Bosa ends up being NFC defensive player of the week? I don't think it's a coincidence at all. I think the fact that Chase Young is on the line, just that someone we've talked about it over and over again, someone on that other side of the line opposite of Nick Bosa to seal off that side, to take attention away from him. I think it makes a huge difference to have someone who's at least of the caliber of Nick Bosa. Obviously they're both number two overall picks from Ohio state university and they play because they know each other so well, they play well together. I think it was just so fortuitous for Nick Bosa to get his former teammate as his current teammate now with the 49ers. Yeah. One thing we saw in that game that we had not seen is the defensive lineman or the defensive end opposite of Bosa gets some attention with people chipping on him. Usually that guy is one-on-one and Bosa is left to withstand, you know, either a tight end helping out Mm -hmm. uh, or a back chipping him coming out of the backfield trying to throw him off his game and so for the first time i don't know in a long time we saw the defensive end on the other side get some of that attention so that certainly did not go unnoticed by nick bosa or anybody else and so chase young already paying some dividends for the 49ers already paying some dividends for nick bosa because now he he and javon hargrave lead the team with four and a half sacks and right. that's a that's a pretty good inside outside combination when you think of 
Nick Bosa, four and a half sacks, Javon Hargrave, four and a half sacks, Eric Armstead, three sacks, and now Chase Young on that other side. I think it absolutely helps Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave in the center as well. Just, they, they can't double team everybody. They can't plan for four different guys aggressively coming up the, their quarterback. I think it's going to be so difficult for any offensive line that they come up against now to be able to keep all of them out of the backfield. It's going to have to be a quarterback getting rid of the ball very quickly. And I think with both of them on the edge, it sets the edge very nicely. And I think everybody's going to do much better on the defensive line. And I don't, I think it's more that I know we can talk about Steve Wilkes going down the sideline again, but I know some people think it's the best thing since sliced bread, but I really think that it's the addition of chase young on the opposite side of Nick Bosa more than Steve Wilkes being on the field. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I agree with that, but I also think Steve Wilkes on the field had an impact and it's, it's more, just kind of feel for it and the vibe and everything else because Steve Wilkes and we really don't know him. We haven't really gotten a chance to get to know, him, but everything I've heard about Steve Wilkes before he got to the 49ers is just how great of a person he is, how players really love playing for him, how Absolutely. he has this kind of tough love mentality. And then just what, what he says is golden. Like he is, his word is absolute gold. And so if you see that guy face to face on the sideline and you feel that vibe and that just kind of that presence that he has, it has some effect. You can't tell me it doesn't. And no, I'm not saying that I, I yeah. think it definitely makes people more accountable. I mean, I think Charverius Ward said it best. He's like the Godfather. So to have the Godfather staring at you when you come off the field, I think you definitely want to play better, but I yeah, think you, the, the biggest impact has been Chase Young and that defensive line playing much better together. You definitely don't want to wake up with a horse's head in your bed. <laughs> That's a little, <laughs> that is a Godfather reference that I thought I would never use on 49ers talk, but, but here we are, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Speaking of injuries, uh, how do you like that? Speaking of injuries. Okay. So since we last spoke, Drake Jackson has gone on IR with mm -hmm. knee tendonitis. So that means he's going to miss at least four games. He went on IR. Uh, when did he go? He went on IR Saturday. So right. the clock started for him. Uh, for the game against Jacksonville. And then Nick Zakel, who was a 40 hours draft pick in 2022, he sustained a torn biceps. He did not play on offense, but he was on special teams for six snaps. He sustained a torn biceps. He has to go undergo surgery. That puts him out for the season. So the 49ers are going to make a decision on who to call up from the practice squad. Will it be, drumroll please, Jesse Davis, Henry Bird, Corey Luciano, or Ilm Manning. One of those four. Um, Jesse Davis, they just picked up a couple weeks ago. In six years, he had 72 starts as an interior offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, if you're talking about experience in the NFL, he could be the guy. So uh, Nick Zakel goes on IR. Um, Aaron Banks will miss another game with the turf toe, uh, hyperextended toe. And so that means John Feliciano will start again for him at left guard. Feliciano, really good job 
against the Jaguars. And and there will be a role for him, most likely splitting time with Spencer Burford when Aaron Banks is ready to go. Uh, That would be interesting if they had Feliciano and Luciano. That would be great. That would that would be like uh, the two tenors or something, (laughs) wouldn't it? Like, would you expect them to like sing the national anthem before a game or something? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the Italian you know what, duo. <laughs> you know what they say, the more you can do. Exactly. Okay. Um, Colton McKivitz came out of that game with ankle and knee issues, but he was limited at practice on Wednesday. So it looks like he's trending toward playing. If he doesn't play, the 49ers have a decision. Are they going to move Jalen Moore over to the right side or maybe Matt Pryor, the veteran who has also started a lot of games, would they keep him on that right side and just bump him up? And then Trent Williams seemed to come out of that game just fine with the ankle injury. He had a vet rest day on Wednesday. You know, it's funny, the offensive line, I was thinking about this. People knocked the 49ers offensive line. Well, maybe not too many people knocked the 49ers offensive line, but people who want to just, you know. Pile on. Pile on or whatever. People... Well, I'm, I'm going to just go in so many different directions here. But when I would say probably there are three teams, fan bases that are happy with their offensive line. And there's probably the same number of fan bases that are happy with their cornerback position. So there's really no, uh, you know, it's no big surprise when 49er fans say, oh my gosh, the defensive backfield is going to cost the 49ers a Super Bowl or the offensive line. Because those positions are really difficult to play a and B you only talk about those positions when the team isn't doing very well. You or when they always, make mistakes. It's yeah, easy to and, see the mistakes. Like the rules are written against defensive backs. So you're often seeing your cornerback following a wide receiver into the end zone. So that's always going to stick with you. You never, even with the 49ers, this great game they had against the Jaguars, people were talking about the five sacks. They weren't necessarily equating that with, well, the coverage must have been really good because teams try to get rid of the ball quickly on the 49ers, but right. they, tightened they, the they tightened up the coverage. They tightened up the coverage so that Trevor Lawrence didn't have those quick throws. So they tighten that up and then the pass rush gets there. And the same goes for the offensive line. I mean, a offensive linemen are at an extreme disadvantage because I mean, the physical specimens that play defensive line in the NFL and the 49ers have a bunch of those guys, offensive linemen are at an extreme disadvantage, but when offensive linemen do their job, what do we do? We talk about the running backs. We talk about the quarterbacks. We talk about the wide receivers. We never pass on the praise to the offensive linemen. So anyway. I, I wouldn't that, say that we never do because. Well, we're, we do, we're the. We don't. Yeah. We're the I mean, exception I, to the rule, Jennifer. Right. I mean, that run that Debo had, the touchdown run that he had, man, it was Jake Brendel and Trent Williams and Charlie Warner in front of him. And that play was drawn up so masterfully to see those guys clearing the way for Debo Samuel and how it triggered Debo to say, oh my God, I see space. I need to get through. I know these guys are making the way for me. If I don't get in the end zone, everybody's going to be disappointed. So I know that we talk about the offensive line and I think Kyle Shanahan sets it up so well for them to understand their jobs. And John Feliciano hasn't been with the team very long. He's a nine-year vet, but he said coming into the 49ers because of the way Kyle Shanahan explains everything so much more made a lot of sense to him. And he's even Chris Furster, the offensive line coach, he's learned more techniques from him. So they've got a really good combination of Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, 
setting up the offense to make sense for everybody. And then Chris Furster coaching those guys up so that they play well, because really with Aaron Banks out, when Trent Williams was out, there wasn't a whole lot of drop-off in the production. And it wasn't like Brock Purdy was running for his life. So this offensive line has done really a really good job. And it's, you know, both of those two guys, Shanahan and Furster that have done a really good job at making it a system where they can play and offer them success by knowing everything that everybody's doing. And Christian McCaffrey's talked about it too. Knowing what every, all 11 people are doing on the field is different than a lot of teams are coached. And for players to know that it helps them do their job better because they learn the why of their job on the field. The why Um, I was going to say about six minutes ago, and then I got sidetracked and then (laughs) I think the forty. Yeah, the 40, what I was going to say is the 49ers offensive line, you know, it's 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 not the best in the league. It's probably closer to the top of the league than certainly the bottom of the league. But take their their standard five offensive linemen and then look at their top three backups on the offensive line. It's John Feliciano, it's Jalen Moore, and it's Matt Pryor. Feliciano has been a starter in this league the past four years. Matt Pryor has started a lot of games in the NFL as an offensive tackle. And then you have Jalen Moore, who has not started as many games, but when he stepped in for Trent Williams, he did a good job. So Mm -hmm. the 49ers may not have the best offensive line in the league, and they don't, but maybe their three backups are as good as any three backups in the league as far as being able to step in and and keep that ball rolling a little bit. Now, with Jalen Moore, no one's going to replace Trent Williams, but he did a decent job of it. Right. You know, you know what Christian McCaffrey said today? He said that Trent Williams might be the best football player he's ever played with. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say that Trent Williams might be the best? You know, what makes you say that? And then he kind of deadpanned and said, well, because of when I think of all the football players I played with, Trent Williams might be the best. But then he 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 said that there's basically nothing he can't do at the offensive tackle position. You know, it's run blocking, it's pass protection. And he said it's even thinking outside of the X's and O's, like just doing what is necessary to help the 49ers win games on any particular play. And plus, Jennifer, you've seen him now do this for several years. He's one heck of a dancer. Uh, in the tunnel before a game. (laughs) And man, along with him, Chase Young, right in the mix, right when, you know, his first game with the 49ers, it does. I think him, Debo, that whole, I know a lot of people are like, oh, why are they dancing? It's, It's supposed to be a serious game. But I mean, the energy that it brings to the team before they run out of the tunnel, uh, it's just, it's like no other. And I think that it really bonds them together across, you know, offense and defense. I think part of that also, we've talked about it a couple of times is how the locker room is set up. The locker room is not set up with all offensive linemen together, all receivers together, quarterbacks. It's different. It's all mixed up. And I think there's some strategy to it, even though they won't admit it. There's a lot of times there'll be maybe a young rookie who they really want to get serious about their play. That person's mm-hmm. next to a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who's very serious and dedicated and so I think the yeah, way he, they... yeah, he's ne- like McCaffrey's next to Kittle, right? Right, right. So there's like two completely different personalities. Exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. And then you know, you've got Brock Purdy in the corner next to Talano Hufunga. So and Dre Greenlaw's over there as well. So you've got offensive and defensive players. It like it, it promotes communication between mm-hmm. the groups. And I think one of those things, the one that I always I find interesting and I kind of like peep it out when I'm in the locker room after the game, not anything bad, but the way that Nick Bosa and Trent Williams talk to each other after every game, it's just they sit down, they have, you know, maybe 30 seconds of kind of talking back and forth. And then they get up and like, you know, do their thing, shower or whatever they do to get ready to talk to all of us. But those moments to me are so interesting, you know, when players are getting together and they just, they're having a sit down and they're just talking football. And I think part of the special thing about this 49ers group is that the way the locker room is set up, you know, like just promotes and like gets those Uh guys talking. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I mean, for the first, whatever, two decades of me covering this team, it was always, it was split up by position groups. You know, the mm-hmm. offensive linemen were all together, defense backs, quarterback, everything. And then I think it was Jim Harbaugh who, who switched that up, who got, who kind of spread it out. Now I understand he had a spy looking at other teams to see how they did so it. Might have oh, been somebody else's idea. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jim. Um, anyway, but no, you're right. It does kind of, it facilitates communication. It facilitates conversations and, you know, from the basketball hoop that's in the locker room that, you know, they, they're, they have fun together, but they also are very serious. I mean, I've seen players with their iPads out, just sitting at their locker and they're like, Hey, check this out. What is this? And, you know, not that they don't know what's going on, but like what happened here. So it's Mm -hmm. communication across both sides of the ball. And I think it really garners a better environment and it's a learning opportunity for both sides of the ball. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it it builds team chemistry. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't see finger pointing. Oh, if only the offense would score more points. Oh, if only the defense had, uh, you know, done a, given us a three and out and that the basketball uh, hoop is there for a reason. It's just to um, highlight that everybody in that locker room chose the correct sport because there are <laughs> if you're conducting an interview anywhere near that hoop, there are some bricks being laid up there. And uh, that yeah, ball and we comes have to have our heads. Yeah, we have to have our heads on us well because you hear it hit it, the ground or it hits off the rim. It could hit one of us. For oh sure. my God. Yeah, it's like it's like playing punt coverage in the NFL. Your <laughs> head has to be on a swivel. Um, hey, your head also has to be on a swivel when Greg Papa talks 49ers and 49ers opponent. So Jennifer, hang around. Uh, this is going to be the Ask Papa segment of 49ers talk as we get into this 49ers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup coming up week 11 Sunday at Levi Stadium and we'll talk to Greg Papa the voice of the 49ers after this word from our sponsors. Did you know that the warranty from a tire manufacturer could be voided if your car is out of alignment? At Big O Tires, we install and maintain every tire we sell and offer critical services like alignments. Here at Big O, everything we do is to protect you and your car. Big O Tires, the team you trust. All right, we're back on 49ers talk with Ask Papa. You've got the yak. Yak bros. Yak bros. Oh, that's an actual yak on, on your hat. Well, Debo Samuel came back last week, and I got the Run CMC yeah. shirt. So, yeah, um, you got it all. How about, how about the the tying the record? He didn't get yeah. anymore. But you think of the great players that were on that list. Emmett Smith in 1995 of the 14 consecutive yeah. games scored a touchdown, and it was all in that one season. He missed one game against Washington early in the year, 
and then ran the table at the end all the way to the Super Bowl. And then O.J. Simpson's on that list. John Riggins is on that list. And Lenny Moore is a guy that I actually looked at a lot last year because a lot like Debo, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, guy like Frank Gifford or Paul yeah. Horning was more of a halfback. But these guys, like, what position do they play? Yeah. Lenny Moore was a running back. He was a wide receiver. just that offensive weapon, a lot like Debo. So even though Christian didn't break the record, that's quite an accomplishment yeah. to score a touchdown in 17 straight games. Two things. Chris McCaffrey has done a little research on Lenny Moore. And so he, that um, knowing about Lenny Moore gave him more appreciation for what he accomplished 17 games in a row. But also, let me get your thoughts on this. I asked him about what it said about Kyle or what he felt about Kyle doing that. I know Kyle left himself open for a lot of crit criticism by putting him back into a 34 to three game. But that meant the world to Christian. Like Christian was very flattered that Kyle would do that for him. It was interesting because when the drive started, he was not in and Brock Purdy was. And then in the middle of the drive, at some point I'm like, Sam Darnold's in. And they pulled Brock out in the middle of it. So when they did that, I kind of thought they're at midfield they're going to shut it down and they're just going to run the clock out and they're not going to record chase. But when they got down in the red zone, they put Christian back in. And I, I was a little conflicted. I mm -hmm. mean, from, yeah. from getting around the Warriors so many years, they've had so many chances to record chase. The night that Clay had the 60 points, he did it in three quarters. He didn't come back in for the fourth quarter. There were numerous times Steph could have added uh, to point totals and records. He was chasing three-point shots and all that. Um, they didn't really do that. They didn't want to mess with the basketball gods. And there was a point where I got a little worried. Mm -hmm. And then it got, you know, when they were like on the five-yard line, I thought, well, obviously, uh, you know, Jacksonville knows what the Niners are doing. How's McCaffrey going to score here? Yeah. Like every guy in the field was going over to 23. But then they got down to the five-yard line. He ran a little out. I didn't know if he got deep enough into the end zone, If even if he caught that ball from Darnold, if it would have been enough to score. But either way, what Kyle did is sometimes you just throw your great players a bone and whether it was communicated to Kyle that through Christian directly or indirectly, that the record did mean something to him. Obviously mm -hmm. they've been playing this game at the NFL level since 1933. No one has scored a touchdown in 18 consecutive games. So this is a significant, yeah. and it's not just running backs. It's people who are hybrid wide receivers, running backs. I mean, Jerry Rice, had some years where, you know, he scored a touchdown every single game and yeah. some great players. So no one quite got there, but Lenny Moore. So if it's important to McCaffrey and then it's important to Kyle. So looking back on it, I was a little concerned yeah. about messing with the football guys. I wonder if he ever got hurt, but in the end, it all turned out well, except he, he didn't score, yeah. but still, I mean, the guy has been, what a, what a, what a streak that was. It should be applauded, even it, though he didn't establish the all-time record. He tied it. Well, no one has ever scored more touchdowns in a row in consecutive games. 23, right? Than, 17 games. Than, than Christian McCaffrey. I mean, right. no, no one has ever scored more touchdowns right. in a row than both Christian McCaffrey right. and, and Lenny Moore. Right. Um, I remember last week you saying that you thought the Jaguars defense was yeah. kind of the way that you would uh, think that that's how you play uh Brock Purdy. So let's spin this to the Tampa Bay defense. Yeah. The, uh, Tampa Bay has more defensive players back. It looks more like the Super Bowl team of three years ago on defense than it does on offense, obviously. Right. 
because it's John Brady's not there. True. What kind of challenge does the Buccaneers defense give for Brock Purdy this week? Well, the first thing with a commonality to Jacksonville's defense is they're hard to run on. Vita Vea. Oh, he's on load. No, wow. Milpitas is on. He is such a good player. And they actually move him out to defensive end and let him rush on the edge. I've seen that. But he is such yeah. a force inside. I go back to the 2019 Super Bowl year. The first game that year was in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And the Niners could not run the ball against this team. This is a hard team to run on. Now, I thought it was going to be hard to run on Jacksonville. And they they found a way to run on those guys. Help me out. Who was the 49ers running back in 2019? Who was their Matt Breida? Matt Breida to open the season? I think so. I because mean, remember the windback run he had against the Cleveland Browns, yeah, the 83 okay. oh, yarder yeah, yeah, yeah. on Monday Night Football. I yeah. think Breida got up. Now, did it become later? Jeff Wilson Jr. was more 2020. Yeah, Tevin well, it Col- became Raheem Te- Mostert. That's right. Tevin Coleman and, and Raheem Mostert in the yeah, championship right. game. So, but I think the start of that year was the Cheetah. Matt Breida, yeah. but they had a hard time running against Tampa's front. And at that time, Bruce Arians was the head coach, but it was still a Todd Bowles defense. And then we just saw him last year, obviously. They're tough to run on. But that's what impressed me about what the Niners were able to do against Jacksonville was they ran the ball. They went right at him and they ran the ball. They ran the ball creatively. And they McCaffrey just runs, you know, we talk about how agile and the jump cutting and but he's just a tough little sucker i mean he so many times you said a different word there didn't I, you? no i did not i was going with sucker the whole way <laughs> i made that mistake but i wasn't going to make it there well there were a couple of runs where i thought he was down and he just spun out of it and picked up four or five more i mean it's he's impressive so that part of what what they do like jacksonville it, it was impressive the niners were able to run on that they got to 30 runs they got 144 runs in the game obviously the debo end around but after that, this defense is totally different than Jacksonville. But Jacksonville was different than what I thought they would do. Mike Caldwell blitzed more. Mainly what I had seen from them was they can get home with their four. They don't need to, to bring pressure. Um, they they blitzed like 15% of the time. They blitzed more in this game. They showed a lot of double A. They, they, they blitzed more. Um, and they, they got burned a lot. And yeah. there was a lot of areas for the Niners to get behind it. This defense, though, is known for blitzing. It, and what's fascinating about this matchup, Matt, they saw Brock Purdy's first start yeah. was last year against Tampa Bay. And it was right after the Miami game where he came in off the bench for Jimmy. And they cover zero, blitzed him all day that day, and he had Kittle on the third and ten and all that. And and then you're like, what's Todd Bowles going to do? Todd Bowles is a blitzer. And he mainly blitzes in the early downs, first and second, because he wants to get you into third and longs. And then he sits back a little bit, rallies up. So now if you're Todd Bowles and you're watching that tape back from last year, it didn't work. It was 28 nothing at halftime. And there was a play that Brock had at the very end of the first half. Uh, Tampa was driving down 21 nothing. Looked like they made score. And then the Niners intercepted Brady in the end zone. And the Niners came right back down and hit Brandon Ayuk right before the half ended. And it was a kind of a comeback or a curl go route where he was a double move wide open and and Brock got he got pounded and uh but he delivered that ball and you thought wow this guy let me say because I think we've talked a lot about Brock Purdy and all of his attributes since he's taken over and rightfully so maybe we don't talk enough about how tough and fearless and courageous he is because 
even the play the Kittle play against Jacksonville. <laughs> he will stare down the barrel. Yeah. And hang in there like Garoppolo and still Jimmy make would do a throw when that, he knows he's going to get hit. That's one back. of the most impressive plays he's made since he's been here because that play, the first look was to Ayuk uh, over the middle and the safety came down and he pumped it and he pulled it back. And then he, he had the Kittle on the wheel route against Evan Lloyd, the linebacker. And what did Kyle say the throw was like? He like, like throwing a, a grenade or something. What was the, I mean, the way he threw it, I thought, He's not going to have enough on this throw yeah. because he, he's getting hit. And the it seemed to me like he was throwing it up in the air more. And I, when it came down, it was a perfect ball right to Kittle in stride, right behind Devin Lloyd. And then Devin Lloyd slips down and Kittle virtually walks into the end zone. But to be able to, to pull it back, to pump it, see the safety come, say, no, I can't do that, pull back, and then take a frontal right in the face a full front right i mean he got blasted <laughs> and still have the arm strength to get it over the top that's that's one of his top 10 throws maybe five yeah he's ever had in the nfl it was impressive yeah i think people i don't know i think people are still using the college scattering report when talking about brock they're waiting for you, him to because you know what yeah he has the arm to make every Row. so anyway let's no i i we had sean king on the radio today i, I, I heard and he's the right away he starts with the arm strength and i'm like what does he watch i don't i no, i don't think hey, here, they, i don't here, think they do here, here i think they they don't watch like we watch and, and here's the other thing is that with brock purdy if you're you can only say i predict he's not going to be good in the future Based on what? You, you, well, I'm just, just saying. Right. That's the only thing that because in the past is pretty good. <laughs> because you can't ever say anything bad about what he's done in the past. Because anyway, um, <laughs> how about Tampa Bay's offense? Um, it's Baker. Baker Mayfield. Baker he's he's like running around. Yeah, he's, doing some he's good Baker. Things. I mean, isn't it funny? How many number one overall picks is is Brock lined up against this year? Matthew Stafford. No oh, man. Joe yeah. Burrow. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Am I missing one? Um, I don't know. I have to go back yeah. over. He's, I mean, here's another one. Here's another one. Yeah. And, you know, Baker's Baker. We saw him last year in Carolina. We saw him that 2019 year, early in the year. Now you got two Ohio State Buckeyes who want to plant the flag. Not mm -hmm. just Nick, but Chase Young. I don't know. I, I've, I've come full circle on Baker. I think coming out of college, I thought, hey, this guy's the number one pick. You to, to me, you got to take him over Sam Darnold. Are you out of your mind? I couldn't believe that. And then even Josh Allen was later in that draft and Josh Rosen. That was an interesting draft for quarterbacks, but he's, I mean, Baker's tough and he's, yeah. he's, you know, he was the golden child coming out right away. Number one pick the 2020 year. He had a really good year and they got in the playoffs. They beat Pittsburgh soundly to win a playoff game. And then the 21 year he got hurt Then the whole Deshaun Watson thing, they bring him in and then he gets all upset and he winds up getting jettisoned from Cleveland um, and then, you know, he winds up in Carolina last year, beats out Sam Darnold. And then, but this year, there's and then, a, and then he went to the Rams, the Rams right? and beat the Raiders on like the Thursday two night. Days after he got, everybody's up. going crazy about Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. And they, they couldn't make a first out. And then at the very end of the game, he throws a touchdown. You're like, how did that happen? So there, there's a little, a little moxie in this guy, a little get up off the deck and fight. So, but the big thing with him is if he has a clean plot pocket, he could fire the football. He's got a strong arm. He's obviously got Mike Evans and he's got Chris Godwin. They like to screen the ball to the, the new back, Rashad White. Um, but I think the real, the, you know, the, the, the strength of their team is their defense. And then on offense, 
I think we take Mike Evans for granted for just how consistently excellent that guy has yeah. been. And he's a big, tall wide receiver. Uh, the Niners haven't done this at all last this year. They did it some last year. But this is the kind of guy you would think Traverius Ward, Mooney may follow him around a little bit just because he's he's so tall. He's so long. Here's where the 49ers have an advantage in this game is that and maybe they're, we, what we saw against Jacksonville will be the way they stick the rest of the year. But this team doesn't, the Buccaneers don't have a quality slot receiver that can test the 49ers in that area. They used to. Chris Godwin lined up in the slot a lot, most of his career. He so was, do you think he, they might move it? No, well, I, this, I mean, the numbers this year, and Jeff Dini from Pro Football Focus sent them to me this week as I was talking about that. Well, the Niners aligned the same way they did last week against Jacksonville. And that was specifically to match up with Christian Kirk mm -hmm. and his tremendous in and out ability. So they moved Diamond or Lenore in there, put Ambry to outside corner, Traverius on the other side, didn't play Isaiah Oliver. And Ambry Thomas had a good game. He had a good game. Um, Demo a little bit in the slot, but that's a hard cover against Kirk. So in years past, Godwin was in the slot like 70% of the time. He's not anymore. So if it is Godwin, then Isaiah Oliver would be a good matchup. I don't think it's going to be Godwin based on the numbers, but you never know. Mike Evans is going in the slot more this year than he ever has per, uh, before, about 28.6%. The guys they're putting in there is Trey Palmer, a young guy, and then Devin Tompkins, mm -hmm. their kick and putt returner. So if if 10 and 83 are in the slot, then I think that's a good matchup for Demo Lenore. But Godwin's a big, strong, tough guy. Mm -hmm. He's lost a little speed with the knee injury that he had. But I think based on what they've done in the, during the season throughout to date, you can expect them to have the, the, the shiftier, smaller guys in the slot. For that reason, it would make sense to leave Demo uh, in there and leave Ambry outside. All right. So this is a game for Aaron should win. We said that, you know, previous weeks. Cleveland, uh, Minnesota. So I guess the, the lesson of the 2023 season is take nothing for granted. You never know. You never. And then the big thing is uh, this is a tough, you know, seg segment of the schedule. Mm -hmm. So my, my, can Trent Williams get through this game Sunday and come play on Thanksgiving night on, a, on turf in on, Seattle, on artificial turf. I mean, he had a battle through that ankle. Yeah. So uh, I think he'll play in this game. And we, you know, their defense, Shaq Barrett is over on that side. And that guy's a, a strong player. So can Trent get through both games? I mean, ideally you'd like to, to beat this team soundly. It's the NFL. You never know. Um, but, you know, let these guys take a little bit of a snap count down. But we thought that, you know, before the Ram game in week two, figured save some guys before the Giants game in the home opener on a Thursday, that game went down to the end. Yeah, yeah. So it never quite works out that way. But any concern that Trent can get through this game on Sunday and the game on Thursday in Seattle, because that's a big game. They have the so same three, record as the Niners. Yeah. I mean, they're all big games, but right. three games in a row, Seattle, Seattle Philly, Philly, Seattle. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, you, we got to rest your voice. No, I'm good. Maybe, uh, I'm good. maybe the four have a big lead in the middle of the third quarter. Well, I'm not going anywhere. You just do no. hand signals or we, something. We don't have like a Sam Darnold to play. You, you, that would be you. No, I'd, I'd call me in. Could yeah. you jump in and do play? Uh, I, I, I would be a disaster. It'd be like me trying to write your story. Yeah, that would not work out well. Not <laughs> work right. out. Get this guy's spell. <laughs> this has been Ask Papa, and I just asked Papa, and he just answered. Join Coach Mark Madsen and the Cal men's basketball team at Haas Pavilion this season. Secure the best ticket price and seats for yourself or a large group. 
Tickets are available for as low as $28. Visit calbears.com slash tickets to secure your seats now. All right, and we're back on 49ers Talk. Getting you, you ready. Haven't talked about yet? What, what haven't we talked about? We haven't talked really about Brock Purdy. We haven't. Well, though, Papa and I just did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, do you have something to say about Brock Purdy? Okay, I just watched one of the videos that we posted about from 49ers Talk about talking about Brock Purdy and how, you know, there was not going to be a quarterback change. And they put my little a video of me on it laughing and rolling my eyes at the fact that someone actually thought that <laughs> maybe there'd be a quarterback change. But I saw the video, I'm like, oh my God, it's me rolling my eyes and laughing. Well, that's appropriate. <laughs> it was. I thought it was on brand. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Brock Purdy, um, leader in the NFL with a uh, quarterback rating, passer rating of uh, what, 109.9 mm -hmm. um, on pace for Pro Bowl, um, lighting it up. And, you know, his first start wasn't a year ago, but it was getting close to that. Yeah. And it was against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, certainly the, the Brock Purdy uh, Baker Mayfield showdown doesn't, have quite the ring to it or quite the pizzazz as uh Brock Purdy against Tom Brady, which if you recall, seemed like one of the biggest mismatches on the planet, right. but here we are. Yeah. I think he's done such a good job of staying level-headed throughout everything. I did find it funny that Kyle Shanahan on Wednesday, when I think you asked him, so do you have any different feelings about that first touchdown throw <laughs> that he threw? And he's like, Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not a good decision happy that it happened or happy with the result but definitely wants to have brock Purdy make smarter decisions going forward yeah um you know it's funny i asked nick bosa on wednesday about baker mayfield and during super bowl week they both went to that golf tournament in phoenix mm -hmm. and he said that their their paths crossed and you know as only nick bosa can say in kind of his monotone way he's nice you know like he, we said hi to each other. He said that he never really had a beef with Baker Mayfield. You know, it goes back to that 2017 game, uh, Oklahoma at Ohio State, where Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma pulls off the upset and the, Mayfield had the OU flag and planted it in the middle of uh, Ohio Stadium. But Nick said it was just him as a rookie having fun. And he said that, yeah, my sack celebrations were better back then. So he says... No, you know, it's not a big deal. He doesn't really hold any grudges. It's water under the bridge. Water under the bridge. So, and I can kind of see it. I mean, Nick doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that gets ever really gets riled up about mm -hmm. anything. But right. that was the one time that, you know, we know that maybe the only time since he's been in the NFL that, you know, he was trying to personally kind of get under the skin of an opponent. Yes. Uh, someone else who got under the skin of the uh, an opponent it was Fred Warner. Oh my gosh, that was <laughs> that so was funny! Hilarious. <laughs> okay, I finally found the clip that that I, you know Jennifer and I are at the game, so we don't we're not watching it on TV. Right. But the Fox microphones during the game, and this was uh, this was in the third quarter. The Jaguars pre-snap are just running around like chickens with their head cut off. It was and so funny. And Warner says, hey, they don't know what they're doing. And he says, he confirmed this, that a Jaguars offensive lineman said, you're right, we don't. 
and he goes right then i knew that we had him well i think the score was i think the four years had out of hand and, at that point yeah, yeah actually but, you know what it might have been like 20 to 3 i'll just take a quick look here because i did mm -hmm. i did record that i posted that on on social media but no they're pretty funny um and fred's that kind of guy like bosa isn't the kind of guy that likes to kind of stir things up and try to get in the heads of the opposition but Fred absolutely Fred is he loves is. to talk yeah so that was in uh that was midway through the third quarter when warner did that it was 20 to 3 and then i think a series or two later warner got the interception mm -hmm. yeah yeah fred warner i've spoken about on the podcast before but i remember his first year and obviously first year in the nfl you're given the green dot on the back of the helmets you're the one communicating with the defensive coordinator he was much more reserved more quiet and really trying to get his feet underneath them to become the leader of the defense. And then the next year when Quan Alexander was on the team and we were at joint practices in Denver, no. he had changed numbers because it was a different number his first year. And I'll have to look right. and see what he was. But uh, he was 48, I think, wasn't he? 48. So he changed to 54 his second year because it was available. And we we're like, who is that guy causing all the problems? And <laughs> there were a couple scuffles during that training camp between the 49ers and the Denver Broncos. And it always happens during training camp. There's always some sort of scuffles, but they seem to be started by the same person wearing 54. And we were like, who the heck is that? And I remember hearing from Broncos coaches. They were like, who's that a-hole? And <laughs> it was Fred Warner. who had Fred been... Warner's not, an, he's not an a-hole. Well, he was stirring the pot for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there are times where maybe even Brandon Ayuk would say, yeah, he's kind of an a-hole during practice because <laughs> he's trying to get the best out of everybody. Yeah. There is there is genuine uh, meaning behind all of it. But he, can we, by the way, can we say a-hole? Well, we just did. So there we go. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. We'll, have to, we'll have to slap a mature audience rating <laughs> on this episode of 49ers talk. But I mean, just watching his development and, his, and growth from when he was a rookie to now, I, I know he credits Quan Alexander for being a huge part of it because Quan Alexander's not a quiet guy who's also still playing. Uh, but he, Fred Warner's growth from back then to the person he is now and the player he is now is really incredible. And that was the biggest step was during that training camp of his second year. All right. Well, um, 49ers play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it's a game they should win, but we said that three weeks in a row there again when the 49ers were playing at Cleveland, at Minnesota, and against the Cincinnati Bengals. But 49ers need to take care of business in, the, in order to keep pace in the NFC and certainly the NFC West as well is what Seattle plays. Who's Seattle play? They play at the Rams. Mm -hmm. That's a kickoff that starts 20 minutes after the 49ers and the uh, Buccaneers kickoff. Rams have already beaten Seattle this year. So they'll see if they can do it again. Uh, until then, uh, please tell a friend about 49ers Talk. Let's grow this community. Leave a rating and a review. And if you, you leave a good new... review, yeah. Yeah, if you we leave a gotten... review, we'll post it on social media. We haven't gotten any new reviews lately. Oh, so what the heck? Definitely. Well, yeah, we definitely yeah. need some feedback on there. Yeah, leave a good review and we'll leave it on social yeah, media. We're not going to leave. We're not going to leave a review if you call me an a hole. Okay, let's do that. <laughs> All right, everybody, uh, enjoy the game, and uh, Jennifer and I will be back at you Sunday night. <laughs>